everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Where Does Your Journey Stem From, hosted by myself, Dr. Karina Minardi. Today, we welcome a very special guest, Anoop Karen, who is a graduate student at Brown University. Let's all welcome to the stage, Anoop. Hey, Anoop, how's it going? Hi, everyone. Karina, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Excited to have you, obviously. So Anoop is a second year engineering PhD student and an NSF graduate research fellow at Brown University. His research focuses on the physics informed control of aerial robot or drone swarms in unsteady environments. This is gonna be fabulous to get into. Before joining Brown, he graduated with a bachelor's of science in aerospace engineering from the University at Buffalo as a mentor for underrepresented students through the National Science and Technology Metals Foundation, he aspires to make STEM accessible and equitable. Outside of his academic endeavors, he enjoys flying as a student pilot. Anoop, we're really excited to have you. And usually our first question to guests are, you know, your bio says a lot about you, but let's actually, from your perspective, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so um, like every other student growing up I, I had always had a passion for stem uh, the reason is because i've uh, watched the airplanes fly high up in the clouds and always wondered what what was the reason behind it and the physics of flight in general so that got me interested in the field and i've um, worked towards that direction um, and now i'm a phd student working on a research in that area um, so aside from that, I've, I've been really excited about um, aerospace in general. The field itself is fascinating and there uh, still remains a lot of questions to be answered. So uh, it's up to the students and the current generation to look at these kind of exciting um, nuances in this field. No, I really love that. Usually folks um, say there's an individual that um, you know, impacted them. But I think a natural occurrence or, you know, even some things as like flight. Um, I used to live in DC and I was in the flight path of Reagan. And it was so fascinating to me. Some of the, some of the airplanes were really close to my building and some were not. And I was like, are you going to overshoot the runway? Um, so it's, it's just it, totally, I totally agree with you. Um, so how did you I mean, you have this love of airplanes. Um, so how did that sort of translate to an actual academic program for you? Yeah, so um, it, it started in my eighth grade, the fascination for airplanes. I was taking a domestic flight um, here, going from Charlotte to Dallas. Um, so it was kind of a short flight, but in that uh, in that flight, I, I realized that um, I wanted to get a view of the cockpit. So. I asked the pilot in command um, at the end of the flight if he could give me an exposure or at least a view of the cockpit. So um, he kind of explained all the parts and showed me the intricacies of systems in general. And that got me excited um, moving moving from there. In terms of a research direction, from then on, I've invested my time outside classes uh, as a high school student working on research projects. And that helped me build my experience moving on as an undergrad. Um, working on uh, side projects, also um, involved in research projects and internships kind of helped pave the way towards graduate school. Uh, but I've, I've looked into many different aspects of air, airspace because I've felt the field itself is really challenging. And there are a lot of questions that remain unanswered. Um, and these experiences culminated in me wanting to go further and 
seek guidance um, and quench my thirst for what's out there. Uh, and that got me interested into flight in general, not just restricted to airplanes, but looking into drones that I'm looking at right now, how they fly in unsteady environments, which is very realistic, because if you have been in an airplane, you would have probably you would have probably been exposed to turbulence where pilots in command probably instruct the passengers to buckle up on a buckle buckle their seatbelts. So you probably already know how uh, important it is to look into these kind of aspects in the field and to dive deep into such challenges that are realistic, especially in the applied research area. So you mentioned that you were involved in um, research projects as a high school student. So did these pertain to aerospace or was this sort of an exploration of what else was out there? Yeah, um, so the, my experience as a high school student was really general. So for me, that was probably the stepping stone. Um, I put myself out, out there wanting to explore every single opportunity that I wanted as a high school student. So this included DECA, um, other sorts of research experiences that my school had um, after ours. So um, we had a um, instructor in the, in the um, STEM department who, who was really excited about research and uh, STEM pedagogy in general. So they made it a point to uh, enforce research very early on so that students could get an exposure to this area and at the same time, think about what questions they could answer moving forward in their uh, undergraduate journey. So um, I was fortunate to be a part of this uh, program where uh, my cohort itself had five or six other students who were interested in research. And the projects that we would do would be very simple, programming a robot, which would water plants or uh, other sorts of activities which were outside aerospace. Um, but in general, that kind of helped me uh, think about these problems and um, find out ways that I could implement solutions to it as an engineer and think differently. Maybe that that's that's probably what got got me interested in thinking like an engineer and wanting to be an engineer. So it all started from um, my high school experiences. So I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think your your discussion around the examples of saying that you weren't necessarily wed to aerospace engineer at that point in time, but actually thinking about, you know, what other opportunities are out there, um, I think is critical because all too many times, um, I think there's, you know, I, I, I've turned, coined the term about embracing the randomness, that if something is presented to you, whether it is a net networking opportunity, whether it is a research opportunity, whether it is an exploratory opportunity to address a conversation, that you should just embrace it. That say, you know, because there's, there's one of two things that'll happen. You either will love it and you'll really like it and then maybe want to pursue it, or you'll hate it or maybe not hate it, but not really like it all that much. And you'll know not to pursue it, which is actually just as worth um, the you know the the pursual. So I think there's there's that piece to it. Um, I I think I would like to explore a little bit more about you said something really tangible around skills and training and thinking like an engineer. And so if you could elaborate on that a little bit more, I would really appreciate that because I think that that is sort of our mission at STEM from is is exactly that. Sure. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, it's it's very important not just to find things that as a student 
would would like to do, but also to find the dislikes, um, because that helps position themselves on a trajectory that they could follow in the future. So likes and dislikes are are very important to to analyze, especially at, at an early stage. Um, and regarding what drew me as an engineer, I would I would say uh, mostly it it started with programming. I wrote my first C code when I was um, in my fifth grade, and moving moving forward. Uh, I, I built on that. So this this was basically a mini game, which would be a, a Pac-Man game, which would instruct uh, a specific move on a, on a board. Uh, but as something as simple as that um, made me think about how we could change that or change the way we would approach um, solving such problems, whether uh, we'd be interested in uh, moving the track in a specific orientation or coming up with a way in which uh, tracks would not move at all or finding the limitations right, of, of such a system. So uh, what a code entails us, us to do is actually making a system autonomous. Like recently, uh, with the advancements in technology, we, we tend to overlook how, how far technology has advanced in terms of autonomy, whether it be driving uh, a vehicle on a cruise control or changing, having, having lane departure features. But it's extremely important to think about the fact that almost everything in the background is, is run by code, which is why it's fascinating. Um, so programming, I, I'd say, was the first skill set which kind of complemented my interest in engineering because um, everything kind of made, went hand in hand, at least for me, uh, after I started learning how to program a system, um, debug, which is probably the most painful thing and, and trying to make a system work. Um, and learning from failures, obviously not every code runs and there's sometimes, um, reasons where it might fail to an extent, it might give an error code, which I might not have seen before. But learning from it has probably um, helped me improve my course of action over time. This made me stronger as an engineer, and uh, it has helped me realize that not all all problems are solvable, right? There, there are some, some tangibles that are out there when it comes to uh, meeting the requirements of an objective, but there might be cases where everything doesn't work out as intended. Uh, and those could be really, really good lessons to take away from any experience that someone could have. Um, but as an engineer, I would say programming was probably the most important skill set which got me into it. Uh, aside from that, having the right mentors, looking, seeking out for uh, mentors and leaders who have helped me realize that these were my strengths um, in this area, which was basically uh, taking up a project, um, which could be something as simple as reverse engineering, a toaster or something you might find at home, um, breaking it apart, analyzing the components, and finally um, improving the system or putting it together right, in, in a way that improves the lives of others. So um, I feel like there's so many things that you could do um, having an engineering background or building such a mindset in general that it's, it's just amazing. Um, and this, th it's a field which, which makes someone independent. Um, and I feel it's really exciting to be um, involved with all this. Well, and the, the other piece around engineering, which I always enjoyed was that, you know, there was um, software, computer science engineering, there was mechanical engineering, there's civil engineering, there's electrical engineering. Um, and so you can take kind of the uber overarching topic and then really delve into what actually, you know, aligns with your personality traits because not everyone is sort of inclined to either hands-on work, more people like coding, so on and so forth. Um, 
And I really liked your your discussion around learning from failures. Um, I could think, reflecting back on my graduate school days um, and, and research days in and of itself, um, thinking around, it was never when an experiment actually worked that I learned. It was always when it failed. And it could fail because of hardware. It could fail because of software. It could have failed because the experimental methodology was not you know, really solid in, in thinking. Um, and precisely to your point around, okay, you gotta take the entire instrument um, apart, figure it out, understand where it is, what's the problem, define the problem, solve the problem, and then put everything back together and cross your fingers that it's gonna work just as well as it did before. Um, so things like that, um, which really introduce you to how, how systems form function um, in, in just in general work. Um, you did mention, however, you know, the right mentors and thinking about mentorship. So could you think about um, the mentors that have impacted you and, and talk a little bit more about them in particular? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I would refer to my undergraduate advisor who, who um, Dr. Lagore. So Dr. Lagore was the first person who got me interested in the field of flight dynamics. And flight dynamics entails everything from stability of uh, a system, which could be an airplane or a drone or anything in general um, that flies. So the field itself was really fascinating to, to me. And I wanted to delve deeper, obviously, because of my previous experience as a, a student pilot. Um, honestly, being up in the air, uh, asked to land um, under turbulent conditions, like all you can do is uh, think back to your training and have certain set of um, requirements that you might have fulfilled or um, steps that you might have followed to approach the land uh, the the landing strip, right? So, uh, but as an engineer, you could obviously improve an airplane's control system, and that would make um, an airplane more robust to turbulent conditions. So, Dr. Lagore was the one um, I reached out to to take up on this project because I found it really fascinating, uh, and it was a student proposed project. So um, drawing from my experience, I thought this would be something really fascinating to work on. And um, first thing that he did as a mentor was sit beside me and talk to me about my experiences, um, how I would have approached this problem when it comes to turbulent conditions, how I would think about the problem, um, how I would dis distribute it into parts that would uh, allow me to improve the system or find the root cause um, when it comes to a, a damage or a, a failure in terms of landing. So as a mentor, I think one of the most important traits is, is to have time and is to have um, the initiative to sit with a student and be able to think about their interests, objectives, and find the right match so that they could set them on a track that's um, optimal for their future. Right. So this is something that Dr. Lagore did, at least for me at the initial stages when I brought up a problem. Um, and I'm so very grateful because it helped me think about um, the intricacies of how I would end up solving it. Um, and like I said, one of the uh, most important things, according to me, is is not being given an answer, but to think independently and to come up with an answer, uh, which is what he has taught me. Uh, and that has helped me become an independent researcher over time and has prepared me for graduate school. Um, so that kind of training, uh, support, and mentorship at, at, at my pivotal stage when I needed it the most uh, was, was something that I'm um, grateful for. So you are now, you know, fast forwarding year, a couple years, 
you are now a mentor with NSTMF. And if you think about mentoring all of those students, you know, what are the sort of um, personality traits and or skills that you have mastered over the couple of years, not only through seeing great mentorship, but also knowing maybe perhaps how you would prefer to have been mentored through bad mentorship or maybe lackluster, whatever have you. Um, So what are what are some of those things that you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. So in NSTMF, uh, the National Science and Technology Medals Foundation, uh, I'm an in-STEM mentor, which means that I promote diversity and inclusiveness in STEM. Um, So the key objective here is to support students, um, have them um, get some sort of instruction on how they could navigate college and be part of uh, a greater objective. So especially students from disadvantaged backgrounds tend to feel like they might not fit in well um, in the college environment, which is something that affects not just the retention, but also their future, most importantly. So it's very important to think about um, their objectives, their interests, and to find out an optimal path for them, um, like my mentors have done um, at, at critical stages of my career. So um, what I as a mentor, instant mentor, uh, do for students is to organize workshops for them, which might uh, not be the basic uh, workshops related to how 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 someone would go about navigating a class or uh, an experience in general. But here we're thinking about their day-to-day lives, how they might uh, budget uh, their expenditure, um, or think about a research plan, how they could uh, navigate um, some sort of difficult conversation with their instructors. Um, So these are all like crucial conversations which would help them prepare uh, to be successful in their undergraduate journey. So currently the program is restricted to undergrads at Harvard and Cal State Long Beach. However, the the goal is to expand that towards um, other schools too, because it's a a program that's run by um, AAAS, American uh, Association for the Advancement of uh, Science. So um, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, students are able to ask um, upperclassmen questions and uh, have that answered through these workshops. And at the same time, I'm paired up with two students um, who can meet with me monthly, ask about anything they want in general, and get a feel for that experience. Um, and it's extremely important for me at least to pay forward, pay forward because um, I moved to the United States about six years ago when I was 16. Uh, and my experience itself uh, was completely different from what someone would have gone through as a, as a high school student who was born and brought up here. Um, and uh, I think that would help shapes, shape a student's future. And I would have a lot more to share about how I would have gone about navigating a problem. Um, and I hope that would influence someone's life. That's, that's the whole objective here. No, that's really powerful. Um, and that's, I think, wonderful words of wisdom. Um, so let's transition now because you're mentoring students in your graduate lab. Um, and I'm really interested in learning a little bit more about your research. What are you focused on? What are some of your hypotheses? Um, so if you could give us a little bit of an overview of your, your research, that would be really beneficial. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm most excited about that. So um, if, if you've ever seen a drone fly up in the air, you'd, you'd probably have noticed that there are four propellers which would balance a drone. 
high up in the sky and we would alter the thrust on the thrust which is a force that's generated for it to levitate in the air um, we would alter the thrust on those propellers to make it roll or pitch which is to rotate in a certain orientation um, it's it's extremely beneficial to see drones flying higher and higher but one of the biggest disadvantages is that it consumes power so we would have to think about the right combination of systems configurations that would help us fly a certain range uh, when when it's a task the mission also at the same time ensure that it's meeting the objectives of the mission right which is to perform search and rescue or other sorts of applications that we're interested in uh, one of the downsides of having these propellers rotate is that it generates a huge column of air beneath it um, and this huge column of air is referred to as downwash. So my goal is to study the effect this downwash would have on other drones, uh, surrounding drones in a swarm, and how that would induce certain unsteadiness, which would affect the stability of other drones that might be flying together in the swarm. And you might ask the question, why swarm? Because a lot of tasks that a single drone cannot perform, like search and rescue in a collapsed building, is now possible with swarms because they can um, kind of distribute that the tasks between different drones and then go about navigating different rooms, get an, get a feel for an inspection area, and then finally relay all this information. We can stitch all the images together to get a complete view of an area that's being inspected, um, say search and rescue. However, there could be so many other applications we could think of, which is why, uh, which is where my research falls in studying these effects and the stability uh, of drones in general. But I'm curious about last mile um, delivery, which is a, a big thing these days, especially holiday season when we like an object, uh, when, when we like an item to be delivered as quickly as possible, right? But it's very difficult, um, whether it be a snowy day or the traffic might be really um, difficult for us to navigate through. So we might want a drone to deliver a package for us or get an item to us as quickly as possible. So. Um, it all comes together in the field of robotics, especially knowing how um, effects such as unsteady and steady effects due to gust and trees and other obstacles which might um, which might affect a drone from navigating in an environment. So knowledge of such conditions um, and having a plan in general really helps the field um, itself. So I feel it's a research area uh, that's kind of exciting. And no, that's really super exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess a rather ignorant question on my part is, you know, are you simulating these scenarios? Are you actually, do you have drones that you're swarming around that you're testing out? What does your experimental methodology actually look like? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, part of the reason I, I got involved in this project is because I wanted to do things hands-on. Um, so my, my background itself is doing a lot of stimulation related work. Um, and I didn't find it really fascinating. Like I mentioned, it's important to learn about what someone likes to do and also what they dislike, right? So um, during my early undergrad experience it was mostly simulation, which I didn't really enjoy. Uh, so I, I decided for graduate school, I wanted to do more experimental work. So for experimental methodology, we're actually testing these drones out in gusty conditions. So we have uh, a fan which induces turbulence very similar to an airplane, like I mentioned. Um, but here there, uh, here we have a fan which would generate a certain uh, speed. Um, or we could also test it in a wind tunnel. So wind tunnel is specific, uh, more tailored towards aerodynamic testing, where we have uh, 
uh, a turbine or a fan that rotates and a subject that's of interest to us is placed in the middle and then we test out different conditions within the test section that's of interest to us so optimizing the design um, changing conditions like rotating it by a certain angle or changing the orientation are all kind of the things that we'd be interested in um, under those testing conditions but it kind of gives a realistic exposure to um, conditions that these drones might be um, itself exposed to right in, in 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 real real life so that's what we're interested in um and that's kind of like the experiment methodology testing it out in those conditions uh, under the parameters that's of interest to us and fixing certain parameters altering the other ones and finding um, the effect that it has on the drone in terms of stability and drawing conclusions from that so that we could make a control system which would make the system robust enough to uh, mitigate such unsteady environments and conditions. So uh, I guess a question then around use cases, right, is so you you have, you conduct experiments, you find results, you publish results, then what? I mean, do you anticipate um, Amazon harnessing the work that you've done in order to help with point of delivery for objects or Explain to me a little bit about the the use cases there. Sure. Yeah. So right now we're partnering with ONR, uh, Office of Naval Research, where um, the goal of this objective is is swarm stability. So um, once the work is disseminated in terms of research outputs like manuscripts um, or scientific publications, the goal for us is to integrate it into an actual system for deployment um, in search and rescue. Um, Amazon is also interested in the sense that they'd like to enhance their product delivery. Um, right now, uh, Google's Wing has started um, certain um, last mile delivery uh, objectives down at Dallas. So the goal for uh, us in general is to make the, the research as valuable as possible, not just to the commun scientific community, but also to the applied research community and commercial um, companies out there so that this would be valuable for people in general. Um, so the the results still translate over, right? Knowing the unsteadiness is extremely important because now they could build a system that would integrate this and take this into account. Um, we have been hearing about drone delivery for a really long time. However, regulations have been restricting it. Um, and part of the reason is that uh, a lot of people do not like the noise that comes from drones, right? If, if they're flying in environments, it could be uh, something that affects um, normalcy. So it's extremely important to integrate integrate technology uh, in, a, in a way that improves people's lives and at the same time it it, it should be uh, groundbreaking enough so that it, it it doesn't affect their lives, right? So there is a balance right there, which is why it's extremely important for um, us to think about such problems. Uh, but it's a coupled problem because noise is a factor. Um, we have to take into account the conditions which we, which we are currently doing as part of our research. Uh, but once these aspects go hand in hand, I think it would, uh, my, my vision, or at least I, I see it being implemented uh, in, in, in our day-to-day -day lives. So knowing what you know now, um, when you think about a career trajectory, you know, postgraduate school, um, I know your second year, um, so it's a little early to think about that, but it's always good to think about that. Um, you know, where where are you thinking of of your next steps and aspirations? Yeah, so I've been 
fortunate to work alongside uh, scientists and engineers who have motivated me to uh, question the unknown as part of R&D work that I've done in the past. So um, I've had internships working with um, Boeing, NASA JPL, and Draper, um, all were in the direction of uh, aerospace field um, that made me realize that I wanted to uh, work on something that would enhance uh, the industry and kind of help build on a system that would uh, that would be helpful in the applied research area. And I keep saying applied research because R&D has motivated me to think, think in that direction. Um, and a lot of research that happens in universities are mostly in the fundamental research route, um, the TRL level one, which is not really beneficial, right? It's, it's hard to translate that research into um, what happens in real life. But R&D has kind of opened my eyes towards what's being done um, at, at uh, collaborative environments and national labs. So I'm really interested in taking things forward. And that's part of the reason I decided on this project in general, because I, I see the applicability, I see how it's being implemented in general and how it could shape someone's life. So uh, being part of it makes me kind of think back to um, my projects and why I ended up choosing in the first place. So that motivates me to keep going forward in that direction. But just like you said, it's it's many years from now. So um, I think I foresee myself working for a national lab, solving such problems um, related to uh, applied research in the aerospace field. But it could be broad. It might not be restricted to uh, drones in general, but anything in the aerospace um, is something fascinating for me. So I'd be more than interested to dive deep into it. Yeah, and you can also, you know, set up your own lab, too, to continue on with that R&D journey um, to think about that, um, which I really like. And I liked your point around applied research. For me, um, it was interesting because most of my undergrad research was very much application-based. So I always knew that the, the reason why we were doing it or the use cases around it. And then I actually made the decision for grad school to to go a little bit deeper in theoretical because I wanted to understand the fundamentals. I wanted to do a little bit of experimentation so that I could really um, grasp what the fundamentals of how the, the instrumentation worked. And um, I did, but a byproduct of that, unfortunately, was why am I doing what I am doing? These experiments are so theoretical in nature that, um, and I did a lot of uh, similar to you in that simulations, um, thinking through, you know, um, elemental molecular simulations, which are great to know as fundamental again, but um, really, really difficult when you think about applied sciences. Um, so totally agree. Um, I know we're nearing the end of our time, so I want to be mindful of that. Um, but I do have one last question for you. You know, you've given us a lot of, um, I think, discussion around, you know, tips, tricks, um, what has helped you throughout your career path. Um, and so I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, if you could reflect, you know, 10 years ago, what would have, what would be the words of wisdom that you would have told yourself 10 years ago? I would have told myself to take things calmly and, and to go with the flow, <laughs> um, not to follow anyone's direction, but, but to have unique perspectives and ideas of what to achieve. Um, the, the reason for that is over time, I've realized that it's okay to be um, okay to be someone that's unique in the crowd. Uh, you don't have to follow the rest of the crowd 
and pursue a track just because everyone else goes to graduate school, right? It, it's more of an interest um, that's unique to that individual. And it's very, very important to find that, um, especially at an early stage, because then you can kind of channel your trajectory based off of that. Um, and that'll be extremely beneficial down the road because you would have taken a path that's less traveled, but you've realized your weaknesses, strengths, and at the same time, you've more or less personalized it for your journey. Um, that's what I've realized. Um, aerospace, it's its not for everyone. Um, I've, I've also realized that there are certain paths within aerospace that I might not like, but testing out the waters early on kind of helped me figure that out. So it's very important to think about such such um, reasoning very early on in one's, one's career. And having that idea helps later down the road um, in helping personalize their journey. Yeah, personalization of a journey is is for sure. Not everyone's journey is going to be the same. And I mean, the name of this podcast is Where Does Your Journey Stem From? So it's like, how how what was the originality of your journey too? Um, and how did you, you know, what, what was the inception point? Um, so Absolutely. with that, Anoop, I, I love this conversation. Your research is totally cool. Um, you've done some really fabulous stuff. So I look forward to seeing the, your future and how it how it grows and where you determine to take your next step. I think that's really, really key. So um, thank you for your time um, and for your contributions to science. Um, and then obviously to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. Um, and always remember to ask yourself, where does your journey stem from?